Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... I get blown away constantly when I talk to kids. You level with them and you see them and you validate them and you hear them and you empathize with them. They're just awesome. They've got so much knowledge and so much inner strength. They just need to be heard. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 281 of Impact Boom. My name is Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Tasha Lawton. Tasha Lawton is an experienced media professional with over 20 years experience in storytelling and branded short and long form content, spanning global broadcast, online and independent client platforms. She has spent years leading teams and working with, building and developing national and international brand partnerships and stakeholder integrity, both in Australia and UK. Tasha has written curriculum courses for universities and more recently created and developed her own comprehensive series of curriculum-aligned resources for kids in years 5 through to 10, covering alcohol, drugs, eating disorders, gender-based violence, periods, sex, sexuality, suicide, and self-harm. Tasha is also a qualified counsellor. Tasha, thank you very much for joining us today. It's really a pleasure to have you. It's very cool to be here, and... When you read that so clearly and slowly and succinctly, I'm like, wow, who is that person? (laughs) No, that person is you. It's a wonderful (laughs) bio and it's really great to see all of those experiences. And I would love, please, just to start the interview, share a bit more about your background and what led to your work in social enterprise, education and counselling. It was pretty much a mistake, the whole thing. Although I guess, (laughs) I guess nothing's really a mistake. I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional household and I didn't realize until further down the track that was actually going to be the the very thing that helped me create awesomeness for other people pretty much just set me up be on the track of helping and supporting young people teachers their parents and carers to empower their kids to be able to make awesome choices. I did a stint in advertising. I did a stint as a Pilates instructor. I do actually still teach Pilates. I have also spent a lot of time in filmmaking. And by the time I got to, God, what am I now? 46. Yeah, I went, "Mm, still not working for me. I'm still not sure where I'm supposed to be going, what I'm supposed to be doing. It all just fell into place. I was supposed to be making a documentary about periods, grabbed camera, went off to India, Nepal, America, and started randomly interviewing people, which don't do that if you want a career in successful documentary. (laughs) The idea was when I got back 
finish the documentary, chop it up and put it into schools. Mm. Then I realized, hang on a minute, what is currently existing in schools around periods of menstruation? And then I realized bugger all or not much. Mm. I thought if I just chop up my documentary, I'm paying lip service to the issue as opposed to actually going, hang on a minute, we need to educate our kids around the different shame, the stigma, the different approaches to periods, how boys deal with it, the environment. Mm-hmm. And when I started going down that track, and then I was like, oh, I wonder how we can communicate that best for kids to be engaged with it, but also so teachers find it easy to deliver and parents. That's where I pulled on the filmmaking stuff because I went, like, we do it through video. That makes sense because that's how kids ingest all of their information and if we do it in a way that is light but conversational maybe I could be onto something created period talk and then that was really well received across schools in across the whole country actually and then I went hang on what about all these other fabulous topics that everybody finds really uncomfortable to talk about I think I'm going to have a crack at those in the same way. That's where it all stemmed from. I love that approach, Tasha. Thank you very much for sharing that journey up until that point. And you reached it at the end there and you were talking about you're the managing director of Talk Revolution and you create educational programs for kids made by kids about really uncomfortable topics for a lot of people. What is the toughest part of communicating with young audiences to deliver impactful conversations on these difficult topics? And where are the key gaps to provide support for our young people? You know what surprised me through this whole thing? I thought the issue was, or the challenge, was getting the kids to understand what was happening. And in actual fact, the kids are epic. The kids are awesome. The kids know more than we give them credit for. The kids are so ready to hear this information. It's not going to make lots of people happy when I say this, but it's actually the adults that are the challenge because of the way society is and the shame stigma and all the religious, cultural, traditional things that have melting pot of stuff that we all live our day-to-day experiences by. We haven't, as adults, had the opportunity to have these conversations normalised. It's not really a surprise that we find it tricky to do so with our kids. I think the toughest part is getting adults on board because either there's a feeling of you're trying to tell me how to parent, I know how to talk to my kids, or I'm really not comfortable with this conversation, I shouldn't be having to have this, or my kid's too young to be shown this information. Mm. It's the parent, it's the adults. Once you get it in front of the kids, they love it. They want to ask questions. That's what they do. They're curious. Mm. We just connect with them in the right way. Everything opens up. It's, it's amazing. And Where then what are you those? Ask me? The realisation as well that it's more than one conversation, right? We all have this thing mm. of, right, when they get to a certain age, we're going to sit them down and we're going to talk about all these uncomfortable things and make it really awkward. And, in fact, we have opportunities all day long throughout their lives to have these conversations even if you roll it right back to when they're babies consent that's obviously a massive topic and understanding that consent itself for example is way more than just the ability to say yes or no when I was growing up 
I was pretty confident. I didn't have a problem with being able to say yes or no, but I found myself in situations where because my self-esteem was low or my lack of understanding or awareness on how to connect with people, Mm. I thought that I'd have to behave in a certain way to receive love. I found myself in situations where it wasn't a case of me just not being able to say no. I didn't say no because I didn't have the skills or the Mm. qualities that should, with inverted commas, there's no blame there. Could have been way more helpful if they'd been instilled in me in terms of understanding power, gender, respect, bodily autonomy, intimacy, boundaries, all that kind of stuff. There's a few gaps right there. The gaps are in the education and the education can start right from a very early age with babies when you refer to their genitals in the right way, for example, or when they're playing with other toddlers, ask permission to be touched and to touch. We force our kids to do that. Come on, because we're thinking it's a bad reflection on us if our children don't want to give granny or granddad a hug. But in Mm. actual fact, what are we teaching them in that scenario? We're basically saying... I'm going to override what your natural instinct is, which is, I don't want to do that. Thank you. Like I have that Mm -hmm. choice. We make them. And then when they don't do it, we shame them because society tells you that it's normal. And then if you're not doing it, there's something wrong with you. So you can see where it all gets murky and cloudy. Mm. There's opportunities all day long to have these conversations around all things when they're watching TV, social media stuff, or movies. You can just get curious and help your kids to get curious and have an actual conversation as opposed to a hatership where you're telling them. I'm blown away constantly when I talk to kids. You level with them, see them, validate them, hear them, and you empathize with them. They're just awesome. They've got so much knowledge and so much inner strength they just need to be heard they actually just need a a place and a space to be heard Mm. Uh, to wrap that up as well there's no blame in that Mm. either it just is generations that have have, have gone before everybody's doing the best they can at the time with the knowledge that they have but there is an opportunity to change that narrative and that's really why talk revolution exists there's an opportunity for improvement, but it doesn't mean you have to blame people prior to talk about this for hours. So it might be best to move on. <laughs> I just wanted to ask, you recently completed the Flow Forward Social Enterprise Accelerator on the Sunshine Coast, where you're based. What were some of your biggest learnings that you could share with other impact-led entrepreneurs? The fact that social enterprises are perceived as something to be taken seriously in the past, there's been a bit of you're doing good. You know, you're not really a proper business person. It's a place where you can actually take yourself and your business seriously. There mm-hmm. is an emerging community and, and a speedily emerging industry that is actually gearing itself up for people with social impact-led social businesses. I think that is really exciting And that's also something that perhaps people don't realize yet. My biggest learning from that is like, this is the real deal. And you can actually do good and make money as well. 
Awesome. It's a really key insight. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do forget that. So it's a really good point to make. You just touched on it there. You were talking about that broader movement that's happening in the social impact space. It's really starting to gain momentum. There's more people getting involved. There's more businesses changing to become social enterprises, or there's just more people creating social enterprises. What opportunities do you see exist for impact-led individuals like yourself corporates or other organizations to create change? I think opportunities are growing for partnerships, which Mm -hmm. if you're in this business, it's all you want to do. You want to collaborate with epic people doing awesome things, however that looks, in order to get your message across. And I think the beauty of people in this space is that you're not in competition with each other. You're literally, how do we lift each other up? How do we support one another to continue to build this beautiful industry where Mm. people are genuinely being helped. You know, let's face it, money is not an evil thing and it's required in order to make massive change. Combining good with organisations that potentially have, you know, been seen as the bad guys in the past, you can create huge amounts of impact with everybody just coming together and appreciating that we're just there for the same outcome, leveraging what exists and then being able to go, okay, you've got something that's there to a massive audience and we've got something that is going to impact your employees, your staffs, your customers. Let's all start working from this same mindset of wanting to, to do good, uphold and help, that's where impact can happen on a grander scale. I understand that chaining yourself to trees and, and fences and there's not taking that away from anybody in terms of a way to protest or create change and awareness. But at the end of the day, you actually have to go out there and action things in a way that society has been set up to respond to by using systems that already exist and then improving them to do good. Yeah. That's genius. I think that's really the key word that you're saying there is systems, systemic kind of, Mm. yeah, creating that broader change instead of just making changes as an individual. It's very clear that you've taken that approach with Talk Revolution, trying to create such broad change across entire generations of people. That's really wonderful, the work you're doing. And we're moving into the end of the interview now. We've only got two more questions. And the first one I would like to ask you is, what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently which are creating a positive social change? There's so many, aren't there? Mm. There's so many micro ones. How you choose to look at that as well, right? Because... What is the definition of creating positive social change? You could argue that someone starting up their own local brewery, that's creating positive social change on some level because it's showing someone else down the road who may not have the qualifications or skills that they can do it to. And then it also allows a place for community to gather. And that means that more people are coming out and mixing with their community. I just find that there's so many ways of answering that. You can go the obvious one of who gives a crap Mm. in terms of the good that they're doing. I just think anybody who is backing themselves to start something 
that some people might see as very small. It's just good people doing mm. good stuff. And there's, there's so many people out there. Mm. Just totally renews your faith in human nature. Mm. I just think there's too many. And, and I don't want to just stick it on the obvious people that are doing good stuff. If everybody looked around in their own backyard, you would genuinely see a little underground movement of awesome people doing awesome things that are creating positive social change, whether that's on your doorstep or overseas. I just feel like it's happening everywhere and it's an awesome thing. It's like fungi. It's just under the surface and it's all growing, but it's happening from grassroots. Everybody deserves a pat on the back for being part of it. More than agree, Tash. It's a really good point there to look in your own backyard for those enterprises and people doing wonderful things. And to finish off now, Tash, what books or resources would you recommend to our listeners? I have been reading so many books. I've got like a zillion <laughs> of them. I don't even know where to start. There's, there's your obvious startup stuff, but there's a great book I've just recently read, Indistractable. It's all about how to control your attention and choose your life. That's by E-L, E-Y-A-L. Another big one for me has been The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Yeah. I love Young Pueblo's work. Clarity and Connection is his latest. It's just lots of little sayings, poems, but they're pretty powerful. And then for me, it's there's a lot of psychology back stuff that I the space that I work in the body keeps the score as well that's a brilliant one Bessel van der Kolk mind brain and body in the transformation of trauma I feel like if you don't understand psychology that's half the battle of being able to connect with your audience as well I I think that gets overlooked with all our the four-hour work week that's all great but are you actually understanding the psychology of people and who you're talking to? No, really. There's a few great recommendations there in all different areas. And for the initiatives that you end, um, have mentioned throughout this episode and the books and resources you just listed there, they will all be linked in at the end of the article. So once our audience has either listened to the podcast and heard your amazing insights or read through the transcript, they'll be able to click on through to all of those and check those out. I just want to say we've gotten to the end of our interview, Tash. Thank you very much for joining us today and sharing your generous insights and time and talking about Talk Revolution. And I just personally can't wait to see the work that you do in the future and the change that you inspire. I think it's a wonderful organization. And yeah, I just wish you all the best. Very kind. Thank you very much. And I'm very grateful for you guys creating this kind of podcast, talking to, you know, real people in this space, doing awesome things. So long may that continue. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.